Welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. So today we are super excited. Um, our guest today is someone who's special to both of us. I met Carla Brenberg back in 2010, or maybe even 2009, at the time when her blog, Misfit, was taking over the bloggers. And we connected as writers and bloggers. I was just a brand new little uh, blogger at the time. And uh, what I remember most about Carla was her amazing generosity that she extended to people who were new to the blogosphere, new to the fitness community. And she just always struck me as someone who was genuine and kind. And it kind of amazed me, given her following, how she, you know, how she reciprocated, how she connected with people, responded to comments, read other people's blogs. That must have been a part-time job in itself for you, Carla, given, given how many people followed you. So I am, I've been looking forward all week to this podcast because we've known each other online. We've been friends on Twitter and on Facebook, but today is the first day that I'm getting to see you in person over Zoom, right? So that's a different experience. So um, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Carla. We're so happy to have you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So Carla moved from the Bay Area to Austin. And when Carla moved, I said to Liz, I think you should connect with Carla. And Liz at the time had a blog. And then the two of them connected and they've been friends in real life for years now. It is a small world. It is. I remember the day we met. Me too. I approached you. I said, are you Carla? And the rest is history. But today we are talking with Carla about career journey, especially around marketing herself as a bit of a solo entrepreneur, uh, but also going to talk about transformation and career growth. So excited for this conversation to dig right in. Welcome to you, Carla, and please tell our audience how you got to where you are today. What's your story? Oh my gosh, my story. I mean, none of it went as planned, which is how every great entrepreneurial venture starts out. You know, I had it all mapped out. I did undergrad. I did a master's degree. I moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina for a job at UNC Chapel Hill, and that was going to be it. I was going to stay in academia. And I showed up and they said, oh, nobody lets you know that the job isn't here anymore. And it was in that moment, I thought, I have no idea what to do. God bless my parents, but they were not entrepreneurs. It was definitely work for the man. And I thought, here I am literally in front of the man and he's saying there's no job. (laughs) And I went home and I sat with it. And I just thought, what do I like doing? It's a question I've asked myself for them the rest of my life. What do I enjoy doing? What can I get paid to do that I enjoy doing? And how and where can I do that? And the answer I came up with was kind of crazy, given the fact I was nerdy, Jewish, intellectual, Mm -hmm. totally not athletic, but I had fallen in love with weight training. And I mean, I hadn't done anything physical until maybe my junior year of college. Mm -hmm. And I thought there's these things called personal trainers. It was back like 93 or four. If you told someone you were a personal trainer, they would invariably respond with, what do you personally train people to do? (laughs) And so I thought I'm going to do this. And I decided I'm going to get certified to do it and go work at a gym. And I never looked back ever since that first step. It's been a series of entrepreneurial ventures, one after another. Cool. 
So talk to us a little bit about those serial adventures. I could go on and on. (laughs) Um, You know, I loved personal training, but it was really expensive at that time. It was, I wish I could remember. I mean, it was back then, maybe $80, $90 an hour, which was a lot back Mm -hmm. then. And especially for something that people didn't really know what they were purchasing and ended up selling the studio, moved because I was married and he had a job. So we moved to Austin for the first time. And I thought, okay, I have to reinvent myself yet again with the move. Do I want to set up another training studio, brick and mortar? I had experienced that. And there were pros, but there were lots of cons with rent. And I had a shower, so I was constantly cleaning and laundering towels. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I still love doing this, but how can I do it in a way that's different? And I think that's been the key for me throughout all of these transitions what do I like that I want to take with me? And for me, it was the message of came to fitness late in life, super uncoordinated, which is why I fell in love with weight training, resistance training. I couldn't have done a sport. Mm -hmm. And so I loved that part, but I no longer wanted the brick and mortar setting. And I kind of saw these things called blogs or Mm -hmm. a little bit called them live journals at the start popping up. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Now, I was confident, but I needed an income. So I did work at the Austin American Statesman by day because I had a lot of writing skills. So I had some income coming in with that, but I eventually quit that and did the full-time blogging. But I just knew what I wanted to do. And I pursued it nights. I pursued it weekends until I could make it my main gig. Cool. That's awesome. Your blog was so fabulous. And, and inspirational for people who are new to fitness, right? I was a hundred pounds heavier than I am now and starting on this daily exercise routine, right? And you were one of the people that, you know, you were just kind of a guiding light for me. You were someone who was committed to doing something every day for your fitness and you were just such a cheerleader for everyone. And I think it goes back to the entrepreneurial, I was really clear about my niche. Mm-hmm. And it seems really obvious, but as I've informally and formally coached entrepreneurs over the years, people don't want to hear mm-hmm. their niche isn't specific enough. Yep. Your niche isn't women. You mean I train women? No, you train women who what? I don't know. I train women who want to gain muscles. No, mm-hmm. there's more to it. And I drilled all the way down. I wouldn't take women who had any sort of injuries. Wasn't my gift. I would never train men. I had a certain mm-hmm. age demographic. Sure, I would take on some college students from UNC when we were in Chapel Hill, but I was mainly 35 to 45. I was really clear what my market was. Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing when I launched my blog. Even though there wasn't a lot of competition at that point, I thought, okay, I love weight training. Mm-hmm. I found my voice in the weight room. It was transformative for me as far as my life. So I only want to work with beginners. I didn't get distracted by the fact, you know, over here in my personal life, I'd done bodybuilding, I'd done competition because I thought that's not my niche. And I, I mean, I was super regimented with the blog, even when it wasn't a moneymaker. What's my mission statement of this? That's what I was going to say. Who am I aiming my writing at? I was really clear. And you attract people sometimes who are outside of the niche. But I think it goes back to everything I've done entrepreneur-wise, I have a passion for, and it's something I've, to get kind of woo for a minute, but something I've healed in myself. So when we 
work on something in ourselves. And for me, it was finding my voice with weight training, starting knowing nothing, thinking, should women really even be doing weights back mm-hmm. in the day? Right. Whatever it is that we've healed and worked on in ourselves, those are the people we attract to whatever we're doing, whether mm-hmm. it's writing or television or selling a product. So I always drilled down to why am I doing this? Who do I want to help? What is my target person? Like not even a big market, but what do they do? How do they dress? What do they eat? What do they do with their free time? So I was achieving my own goal, not financially, but just success as far as a venture. The one thing I learned from you was about creating a personal fitness mission statement, which I thought was a really cool concept. And then also you can, you can have a career mission statement too. You can, you can apply that to anything and being clear on what your goal is, where you're going, having that fitness statement or having that mission statement helps you. It's like a guidepost, right? It is. It reminds you of your why. Always. And we did, I was involved or am involved in another venture right now. And my business partner came at it from a different perspective and thought, oh, okay, we need the mission statement so that it's on our website so that other people can see it. Mm -hmm. But it goes, no, it goes back to what you said. It's Mm -hmm. always, why are we here? What do we stand for? And why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And in my new kind of grown-up job, which we'll get to, that was one of the first things I did when I came in. And they a little bit had the sense, well, we all have our own mission statements. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we need a group one. We need to all know why we are here in the trenches together working on this. Otherwise, if you lose sight, it's easy to quit. Right. Why are we all under the same umbrella if we have individual mission statements? Yes. Yes. And it's amazing how when you do it as an exercise in a company, there's a lot of there are a lot of surprising answers that come up and people don't realize, oh, I didn't know you thought that. That's not why I think we're here. And so it's a really hard and time-consuming but helpful exercise to do together. Because then you can get into agreement and what you all agree upon is what you will yes. use as your guidepost when you for, when you might forget, right? Or when you say, what, what the yes. heck, right? Those, those days where you have the WTF moments, right? <laughs> um, being able to have a mission statement to go back to is super helpful. Yes. For me. Yes. <laughs> it's for me. So Carla, we, we've been talking about Misfit in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. So you did this blog, you grew yep. your audience. Was it profitable? And wh- what did it lead to career-wise? I think that is such a great question, Liz, because <laughs> something I tend to not devalue, but almost forget because I do it intuitively is that future thinking and kind of reading the landscape. For a while when people, and I did a lot of speaking about during the blogging time, you know, mm-hmm. how I became so successful, I found myself, because that was very young, using the word luck. I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. And then the older I got and the more perspective I gained, I realized it was filling niches, seeing kind of what was needed. And I was really successful and it was super lucrative. But then around... I want to say maybe 2012-ish, I started reading the landscape, 2012, Mm -hmm. 13, 14. Everyone became an influencer. Mm -hmm. And it went from egg beaters, Birkenstock. I mean, I was super fortunate because I worked with brands. The luck was I worked with brands I loved. Mm -hmm. Instead of them coming and saying, okay, we have 30 grand. What can you do for us? 
they suddenly decided, there are so many influencers, I'm going to give each one $25. (laughs) They'll do what they do. Mm -hmm. So I saw this coming. And I think I cannot emphasize that enough. No matter what you're doing, if you're really successful in that moment, you always have to have an eye to and what's happening out there on the horizon that I can't yet see. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it, but I quickly realized it was time for me to pull back a little bit. And I did less content creating for myself. I still blogged maybe once a week because I enjoyed it and kind of pivoted, although we don't, word is very overused now, okay. and did more content creation for other companies, not under my name. Mm-hmm. I think that's also key is I never had any, I love the process of what I did. Didn't have any ego or need mm-hmm. for it to be by me out there. And then started, again, I want to say luck, but I think it's just luck and intuition. And showing I up had the op- way that you did. You, you showed up yes. consistently. Like when you were doing your blog every day, you did it at a certain time. It was... It was very, you're, a, you're very much an early bird. Um, I am, yes. It is at the time, me. I was yeah. a late bird. So there were times when I was going to sleep at 1 a.m. and your blog would be up, right? We and would I pass was, each other in the hallway. Right. <laughs> but, but it was consistent, yeah. right? You showed up consistently. And that's, that's the thing. Yep. Yeah. Everything in life is like fitness. And fitness is such a passion and backdrop for me mm-hmm. that I tend to use that parallel even now at my mm-hmm. grown-up job. Yes. Because it's, I mean, it's also the joke about how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. I was just very consistent a little bit every single day with fitness, with writing, mm-hmm. but also another, cannot emphasize enough that no hard and fasts. The... Mm-hmm. I had a lot of blogger friends who wouldn't do anything for free, which I get, Mm -hmm. but I took everything on a case-by-case basis and I still look back and think, once upon a time, I was living in Oakland, California, and I got an email from Venus Williams's PR rep and she said, hey, Venus wants you to do some writing for her. She doesn't have any money right now, but there is money there for later. And I remember thinking, because I'm big and sitting with something and listening to my gut, I'm going to do this one. Whereas the reflexive Venus Williams, she has a lot of money. I want the money right now. But I thought, I feel good about this. I'm going to take the risk. And it opened so many doors for me. Working with her, I got to tap a host of influencers to work for her to help promote her apparel line because she wanted to compete with Kate Hudson of Fabletics. Mm -hmm. That was the thing then. And she ended up doing the cover blurb of a book I wrote. And I think... Nothing is ever black and white. Everything's case by case. And sometimes we need to take that risk. Mm -hmm. This really could pay off and I have a good feeling about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Good Mm -hmm. advice. So Carly, if someone were to ask you today, what do you do? How do you respond to that? It's funny because I'm three months into having the most traditional job I've ever had. (laughs) So I find that I describe that, which I can, but then I still give the caveat of, my couple side hustles because they feel so core to who I am. I think I'll never, it's not about the money anymore. Whereas it used to be, I would have a Mm -hmm. lot of things happening just for that, but it's emblematic of the spark of I'll always be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I don't think we could turn it off. Well, I think that entrepreneurial competencies, entrepreneurial mindset, I think that that's almost essential 
in careers today, even working for yeah. the man, right? Yes. <laughs> That's what's going to make you stand out, you know, mm-hmm. by by not just doing your job well, but doing your job the best that you can, bringing your ideas and unlike anybody else, mm-hmm. yes, because yes. I stepped uniquely into this you, role. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and when I first took it, I thought, oh, they have made a horrible mistake because really they need a tech mark. I am not technology. The job I took is chief marketing officer of an impact sourcing company which essentially they do business process outsourcing, voice dictation, call center, a lot of things that I still can't exactly wrap my brain around, but I have done the PowerPoint slides for. But there's a whole secondary level to that, which is the impact. And we're a certified B Corp like Ben & Jerry's or Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And we help the historically underemployed or unemployed in East Africa. So women... A lot of focus on disabled persons, but when I took the job, they said, we want to hire you because you're a great storyteller. You're really authentic mm-hmm. and you can sell stuff because you've obviously been selling your box box, which was one of my ventures, and yourself for a long time, but that it never comes across as salesy. So I thought, this is me. And mm-hmm. then I took the job and I panicked because then they throw all of these letters at me. We want you to promote OCR and all of the tech stuff we do, back-end office. And I thought, oh, you shouldn't have picked me. It's a tech marketing position. And it took me probably a month to realize what you said, Kat, that I come in and I suggest this is kind of working, but if we turned it on its head, it would work even better. Oh, that's a great idea. Or have you guys thought about using video here? That would really help. Oh, we hadn't. Let's do that. So it is, it's serving me so well, all of that quick thinking and being willing to take risks and creativity mm-hmm. that I said to a friend today, and it's coming so far for me in a few months. I don't think a tech marketer could do this job. Whereas for the first couple of months, I really thought that's who they should have hired. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. But the key word that I'm hearing is that creativity and the the value add that you bring is not only creativity, but being unafraid of your creativity. That's, and not afraid to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And say, wait. And I think it's age. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't know. I would have been here. Amen. I am Mm going to be 51 in two months. And I think some people get here, especially this younger generation will get here sooner in their Mm -hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Because they have role models like you, right? That okay. People, you know, people, people who are showing the way and lighting, lighting the way. You know, hopefully, it's a little bit easier for each generation, right? Well, and it's not so yes. weird to be the odd duck at the office, like to be the person in the office, yeah. like where. Whoa, what's Cindy gonna, you know, bring up this time? Yes, yeah. Wait a minute. That's that's how new ventures and new ideas and pivots happen, mm-hmm. and so. You are, as you say, unapologetically yourself. And therefore, you'll say, well, why wouldn't we do video for that? And the traditional person may not say that. And you're not afraid to say that. And you're also not afraid to be wrong. Mm -hmm. That's it too. It's the thick skinned. I say Mm -hmm. to people all the time when I submit my writing, I am so thick skinned. If you don't like it, tell me. I mean, when I have my one-on-ones, I always say, I don't need the compliment sandwich. Like if I'm doing something great and you need it to continue just that way, that's fine. But otherwise, 
just tell me what you didn't like and let's work on it. But you're right. I mean, it's being unafraid to put it out there and realizing people won't always like it maybe exactly the way it is, or they'll think about it and we'll come back around to it. But as much as I've loved being an entrepreneur, getting that feedback sometimes from a team where you send something in and they're like, that is amazing. It's like, I did not have to tell myself that was amazing. I have a team and they told me and that was great. So talk about being, you know, we said you're an entrepreneur. So you've started a few businesses. You've thought about other businesses. What is your definition of being an entrepreneur? And how do you put yourself into that bucket, especially with a real world job, as you said? It's interesting because one quote that has like, followed me, I think since the minute he said it, is the Richard Branson one of, if you don't know how to do something, you say yes and figure out how to do it on the way down. Because that could not be... I think that people associate that with being an entrepreneur, fearless. That is not me. That whenever I've tried anything, I'm an entrepreneur after careful consideration. I think I would say it like that, Mm -hmm. that I don't... It looks from the outside... Liz knows well, and you probably know too, that I have a women's subscription box called Your Box Box. And it's an experience in a box. It's a monthly delivery of a sex toy and a candle. And there's you know a note card in there explaining the whole thing. But it didn't start like that. I mean, it started at a meeting where I said to my business partner, we should take an erotic novel and a sex toy and throw it in a box and mail it out each month. She's like, that's not very sexy. And I was like, oh, that's probably right. So it looks to people who don't know me well, like I'm constantly coming up with these new things, Mm -hmm. but it's always kind of ruminating in the back of my mind and only kind of comes out the mouth to the world when I've really thought it through Mm -hmm. and could this work? Mm -hmm. So research and time and thinking things through and intuition check too, right? It is. I mean, I look back and think, we used to take a eight hour, let's say each way car trip every year for a bodybuilding show mm-hmm. back when I was married. And every year on the trip, we would leave Chapel Hill to drive to Columbus and come up with something. I remember one year we were going to be own a workout apparel business and we would talk it through and get really excited. And we get to Columbus for the weekend and all weekend we'd think we're going to do X. And then we'd get in the car to drive back and we'd start unraveling it. This could work. This could, okay. And by the time we got home, we, except for one, had closed the business. Mm-hmm. And that's it in a nutshell for me is mm-hmm. it's really, you have so many ideas. And when you work them through, what's the competition? Would I want to do this all day, every day? Mm-hmm. Is this taking something I love, 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 personal training, and making it something I don't love anymore because I'm doing it all day for other people? Yeah. Once you go through all of those, it literally was one thing we ended up doing. It was back in the bobblehead heyday, bobblehead dolls of the professional bodybuilders. And it was successful. Mm-hmm. But everything else we closed on the eight hours back because we realized, <laughs> oh, this is neat, but it's not viable. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you said a huge thing. Like, I have this awesome idea and I'll just put it out to our listeners. And if someone takes it, I have the rights, but I don't because I haven't done anything about it. Called the garbage can. And it's a garbage can for your car. You know, you'd have different garbage cans for different cars. It's genius, right? But I am not willing to 
devote my life to the billion dollar a year garbage can idea because I'm not into manufacturing. Like I know that there's all kinds of stuff. And so that's why I'm putting it out here for you, Real Job Talk listeners. But it's that. It's do I want to dedicate my life to garbage? And the answer is no. And so some ideas don't go because you don't have the passion to make it go. Yep. Because this will be your life as an entrepreneur. And I keep those ventures Mm -hmm. and side hustles. I guess it's a little bit like being in a marriage and kind of wanting to keep the door a little open. Yeah. Like we're not really open marriage, but maybe because (laughs) I'm doing some other really, really fun work. I told you about some of it before, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, with Esther Perel. I love her phenomenal marriage. Mm -hmm. Psychotherapist, I guess is the word. But Mm -hmm. you know, I do some writing for her and I think... I don't know where life's going to take me, but I want to keep that door open. And so Mm -hmm. if I really enjoy something and I can still fit it in, I don't let it go because I enjoy the work. It doesn't feel like work. I think that's an important piece too. Yeah. Um, As you're cobbling together your world as, and that the Esther Perel stuff and everything is more your life as a freelancer. And so I do believe that being a freelancer and being an entrepreneur while there's some definite similarities in the profile of the person, it is incredibly different because yes. some of it's your own, some of it's you're selling yourself versus a product. You know, your box box is a product. Yep. The writing work you do is Carla will write for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yep. Esther Perel has a fabulous podcast called mm-hmm. How's Work. I'm doing her show notes. Awesome. So, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm doing her show notes. <laughs> I really have enjoyed listening to that because yes. it's about real relationships, right? There's founders who break up all sorts of different relationship focused. And really when it comes down to it, uh, you know, you need to have a good idea for a business. You need to have a good product, but if you don't have good communication, the business is not going to work. So I just loved, love, love that podcast. So that's a, we, we can do a link on the show notes for this. And I love the show notes. Well, yeah, and the show notes no, are the best. <laughs> well, and it does tie back into, and again, this is something I can, most of us only see with hindsight and I'm mm-hmm. feeling it now in the middle of the job stuff, which I love. And it's something I'm sure my mother told me at one point, but everything you do comes together in the next venture. It's yeah. been mm-hmm. really amazing looking back at my resume when I was kind of pulling it together and thinking, do I want to apply for some traditional jobs? I had that moment of thinking, am I all over the map? So I think this is super important. If you are an entrepreneur and you think, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for Mm -hmm. director, C-suite, whatever it is, it's identifying what the same is. So I could clearly articulate Mm -hmm. when I went into the meeting, it looks like I've been doing all different sorts of things, but in all of these arenas, I've shown up and done X. But it has been phenomenally interesting to me how everything has come together. I had my own podcast. And where I am now, I'm helping the CEO launch his own podcast. Mm -hmm. I've had experience getting the guests on, writing the Mm -hmm. script. And there's no, this is my mom. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted experience. But it's shocking as an entrepreneur. It's been a gathering into my bucket of all of this seemingly disparate stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really helping me with one job. And who knows where it'll go from here. Well, and it helps you with other jobs too. Yes. So we've talked a little bit about some of, you know, the career pivots that you've done, Carla. Um, 
how do you, when, when you're describing that with either clients or, you know, in this last interview process, tell us a little bit about how you explain those pivots. I think that our listeners would be really curious about that. You know, it was really helpful when I met with a career coach two years ago and she said to me, and I have background in career coaching. When I got my master's degree, I could have gone out and been one, but it's mm-hmm. so antiquated what I learned because I said to her, you know, I'm just looking for a job. I'll find a job and I'll stay there for 15 years and I can do anything for 15 years. And she said, oh, no, 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 you don't do that anymore. People stay for one or two or three and they move on. So that was helpful with my resume because I thought there it's not filled with red flags as antiquated mm-hmm. thinking would have had it right. be. Mm-hmm. I know a big question mark and I got it every time is, how do we know you'll stay? That you won't have, you've been successful. I think it might've been less of a persuasive moment for me if everything I had started had failed, because then they would have thought, well, of course you're going to stay. You can't do anything on your own. <laughs> you're going to stay here. But they all said, you know, how do we know that you're not going to want to leave? And that was something I needed to kind of sit with, with mm-hmm. myself. And I'd had a virtual team for so long. I knew that's really what I craved short term, long term, in person. Mm-hmm. And so once I had that kind of anchoring, this is why I want to come and work with you for you. Mm-hmm. It was easy to show how all of my experiences, because I only applied for jobs, mainly marketing, a lot of branding, brand voice creation, things I had a lot of experience in. Sure. And it helped that I'd had a lot of disparate entrepreneurial. I'd been fitness. I did sex toys. I've done, you know, worked with Brita, a lot with Sears and their fitness, Fila, that it helped mm-hmm. that I'd been with a lot of different companies because it showed that I could emulate a lot of different voices. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a stretch at all to kind of show everything I'd done and convince them that I could do the same for them. Well, and I'm okay. sure as a freelancer, you have a portfolio that you can share so yep. that you show how it's been your voice behind all of these different brands. Yeah. How do you find, how do you market yourself? And how do you find, I mean, as a freelancer who's behind yep. the scenes and so it's not like, oh yeah, I've heard of her because, you know, yes. how do you yeah. find yeah. gigs? Because you don't ever seem to be dry. So how do you find all this stuff? I don't do Upwork. And now I'm drawing a total blank on what the others are, but I don't mm-hmm. do those traditional routes. They've yeah. not really worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's really a lot of Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one big one called the binders and they have different mm-hmm. sub binders, but yeah. it's 99.9% women. And I know we just kind of all want to help each other out. And I'm still saying to people, what are you looking for? And they're like, but you're not really doing this anymore. I'm like, but stuff comes across my desk. So it's that community of women. Yeah. And it goes back to these long-term relationships that you've had and you've acquired, that you've, you've developed and you've maintained and nurtured that networking piece. That's not necessarily going to networking events. It's about actually, you know, feeding these relationships you have, right? And it is, and it's showing up as authentically invested. I mean, mm-hmm. LinkedIn is the best example of, and I finally have gotten back into it for work. And I constantly get the messages from, I don't even know what we're supposed to call them, maybe financial planners who are not really interested in me, but they do the spray and pray that somebody's going to say yes. And that doesn't work. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's all about relationships and Mm -hmm. being vulnerable. I had somebody reach out to me the other day, lost my job. This is what I'm looking for. Can you help? It's vulnerability. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's being human. Yeah. 
which isn't very helpful. And yet it is. Being real. Yes. That's a adjective that I would use to describe you, right? Just from mm-hmm. the get-go, you just seem very real, very authentic. That stuff is contagious, right? When you are real, when you're authentic, people feel it. And that's what I said in my interviews. Cause they'll say like your resume. I'm like, I, it seems like I worked at the Statesman. I did this. I was a personal trainer, but everywhere I went, I showed up as authentic and flawed and created space in whatever it was we were doing Mm -hmm. for other humans to do the same. I don't want to gloss over the Facebook group piece because I don't know that we've talked about that a lot. Oh, you haven't? And some, but these are groups of like-minded, career-minded. So talk to me or us a little bit about how you find those groups and how you interact because it's not just you're one of the 2,000 people in the group. 10 bucks says... You are talking in the group, you're private messaging people, you're answering questions and interacting so that when somebody has something, they think of you. So I'm guessing on all that, but tell me how you've used those groups to find new gigs. Well, and I laugh that it goes back to fitness. Everything, (laughs) when it was fitness for me, the healthy eating people like, do you eat great all the time? I'm like, I don't know. It's 80, 20, 80% probably amazing, healthy, 20 crap. And I start to realize, and I'm sure people at my impact sourcing job are tired of hearing this, but it's true. Everything's like fitness. It's 80% at my new job. I'm not selling 80% in these Facebook groups. I'm like, oh, I know someone at that magazine. I can connect you because it's easy and it's just showing up. And then when you 20%, does anybody know somebody at Prevention Magazine? I have an idea I want to send to them. You've been in there just kind of adding value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you actually came up with such a great point because it can feel hard to find these groups. Mm -hmm. And I never searched. I just kind of serendipitously got added, but you can go up and search. I have friends who are virtual assistants. Mm -hmm. And if you search, I was trying to find a group for her, a virtual assistant in the search bar at Facebook, they all come up because most of them are, and you correct me if this is the wrong language, they're not secret or private, but they're closed, perhaps whatever it is. Yes. You answer a couple questions and they let you in, Yeah, but it's amazing. And again, what I see is 99% women, but they're all just there to help each other. People are constantly posting, I have this job I need filled. Mm -hmm. In the binders, I cannot recommend that enough for writers. There are so many different sub binders. People are all the time posting jobs. And there's a lot of competition, but there's a lot of competition in the world as well. And half Mm -hmm. the time, we don't even know the jobs exist. We can't let competition stop us from moving forward. Right. Oh, and it's easy to get paralyzed. I don't have imposter syndrome, but I'm the queen of that which we do well, we devalue. And we think, oh, mm-hmm. everybody does this well, mm-hmm. but they don't. Right. We yeah. all have our own unique thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, you talk about this binders group. It's like if a job is posted on there, it's different from having it posted on Indeed or on LinkedIn yes. because yeah. that's the like, let's see who, who comes out. Whereas it's a targeted group that's Mm -hmm. in the know enough to be in the binders. And use my name is often the thing. I didn't know. And now I can't remember if you said this to me, (laughs) but I applied for a lot of jobs. Indeed, Glassdoor. Yeah. I didn't know. And then I'd be bummed out. I didn't even get a rejection letter. And finally, somebody said to me, yeah, you don't do that unless you also look on LinkedIn and see, oh, I want to work at company X. My friend Betty does. 
Yeah, I gave that. And then you apply. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because, and that's the same thing with the binders is people want to help other people. Right. And use my name. Mm -hmm. And it's an authentic introduction versus Black Hole City where nobody knows Bupkis. Whereas this is my friend, Carla. She's an amazing writer. She's ghostwritten for these, this person and this person. We need to talk to her is a way better thing than Black Hole. Mm-hmm. And it's consistency. It does circle all the way back around mm-hmm. to what you said beginning of my career is that whatever it is you're doing, if it's the Facebook groups, go in 10 minutes every single day, preferably at the same time, because you make mm-hmm. huge communities smaller. You'll see the mm-hmm. same people in there at 6am. Yep. <laughs> it's consistency with everything. And it's not very sexy. Like People don't want to hear that, but it's a little bit every day to any goal. Mm-hmm. And I think just touching base on job search, right? If you've got an opportunity you're interested in at a certain company, first thing you should do is check to see if you know anyone who works there or look in your, look in your LinkedIn, look in your LinkedIn contacts. Mm -hmm. And if there's someone who's, you know, maybe one, you know, one person removed, but a friend of someone else or a connection of someone else, ask that person for a connection. Mm-hmm. right? To, to, to actually connect with someone who's at that company. Or if it is a friend or a professional colleague, someone who, who knows you, ask them uh, if the company has an employee referral program. And if they do, yes, they're yeah. more than happy to mm-hmm. submit you through their employee referral program and they may get a bonus for that. So yes. it's, it's a win-win. And the key is ask that you yes. kept saying. And I think that's been a thread through my whole career and life that <laughs> Somebody said to me once, you know, just because you're asking doesn't mean you're going to get it. And I thought, mm-hmm. I know, but if I don't ask you, you're not sitting there thinking, I wonder if Carla wants this. Yeah. Ask, ask professionally, ask nicely, ask gently, but you have to ask. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I'm sure you've touched upon at some point, we women, the, re- the study came out while I was looking for jobs so maybe a couple years ago. If we see a job description and we don't meet every single thing, we don't apply for it. Uh, and then a man sees a job description and he's like, I'm applying. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I mean, I definitely needed with as confident as I was from entrepreneurial success. I love having this current position and thinking, I am really good at this. I mean, I barely understand what we do and I can market the shit out of that. But <laughs> if you gave me something else, I might be able to market even better. Like mm-hmm. I would joke at the beginning... See that pen? I could market that pen. I know what it is. I don't quite know what we do yet, but someday I will. Mm-hmm. And now I have the sense of, oh yeah, I could read the job description for a different CMO position. And a year and a half ago, I would have thought, I'm not applying. I haven't exactly mm-hmm. excelled at everything. And now I think I'm not going to say yes and learn on the way down, but I'm going to say yes and I'm teachable and I will spend the time to, I can figure it out. And just so I hate that it's still a female thing, but it often is. Mm-hmm. And I also think that comes with age. Yes, definitely. But I still struggled with it. You have experience at rising to the occasion. I mean, Kat and I were talking about an opportunity the other day and I was feeling that little imposter syndrome thing. And then it's like, whoa, 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 no. And I, you know, there are companies out there like Textio and stuff that are helping with job descriptions, but go for it. But again, don't go for it into the black hole go for it through a connection. And I'll pick up on what you said. Look at your own LinkedIn. Also, maybe look at your best friend's LinkedIn. Hey, Mm -hmm. best friend. Hey, Kat, do you know anyone at this company? Mm -hmm. Great. Oh, yeah. Now, Kat says, oh, I do. I know three people. Hey, Kat, Mm -hmm. can you introduce me? Yes. 
It's still a warm introduction. Kat says, hey, Carla, would you spend 10 minutes with my friend Liz? She's really interested in your company. And all of a sudden we're connected and now I'm not getting in through the black hole. Yep. So use your board of advisors. Yes, use your board of advisors. I actually have always had a pretend one. I'm like, Brene Brown is online. Yeah. And so when <laughs> I was in an interview and somebody said our board of advisors, I thought, is that pretend board or does this person know he's on your board? But <laughs> um, with the LinkedIn, it goes. this goes back to old timey, as my daughter mm-hmm. would say, what color is your parachute? Do we remember Dick Bowles mm-hmm. and the informational interviews? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it can feel awkward, less awkward now during coronavirus time because people will be happy to jump on the phone. Mm-hmm. But asking people 15 minutes of your time, I see your CMO at blah, blah, blah. I've heard it's a great company. Can you tell me about what it's like there? And people love to talk. Yep. And if you ask... And then if, another job comes open at that company and you're in. If you ask someone for 15 minutes of their time or 30 minutes of their time, respect that and honor that. Right. Oh yeah. Be, oh be my gosh. Really I'm aware of yes. that. Yeah. Because I see we're coming up on 15. I'll let you go. Yeah. But thank and, you. And and they may want to continue, but give them the out yeah. because that's mm-hmm. what you asked for. And you want to you want to be a person who is aware of time and you know is aware of what the ask is and honor that. They may have blocked 15 minutes yep. and therefore yep. yes. going over and they're late for their next meeting yep. and they no don't want to be rude. And then their lasting impression is like stress caused by you. No go. Yes. Like you want to be like, okay, I see it's 15 minutes. Oh yes, I've, I love talking to you, but I've got to go. And now there's no awkward. And that lasting feeling is they're so wonderful and respectful. Right. I want to yes. As opposed to, oh my God, I tried to get off the phone three times and this person didn't listen. That's oh, that's that. not the impression you want to leave no. when you're searching for a job. No. no, I think that's really great. So Carla, you've always been authentic as a person. And I think that you're very open and on your social media and everything else and vulnerable, which I think is so powerful and inspirational. But talk to us a little bit about how that vulnerability plays into your career strategy. I have a strategy? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) You know... I want to say I'm exactly the same because I, I'm trying to think what I was thinking about it the other day and vulnerability is a choice and wisdom and age allows us to realize when it's appropriate and when it's not. So I always show up as vulnerable because it's who I am. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the first month, I think on my daily team calls, because we were all at home, I'm sure they thought I was very flat and serious and Mm -hmm that's it. Because you kind of read the room until you know how much you can kind of let go and be yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm always the same. You weren't feeling as confident in the role in that first month. So you're not going to be like, woohoo, look at me. You're going to be a little more (laughs) tight. That is such a good point because I thought this demeanor better be very serious because I can't risk them thinking, does she not know what she's doing? Because I did not know what I was doing. Right. She's a chief marketing officer. She better be serious. But at the same time, I always think about that with the marketing because they expect that I can be a little bit Mm -hmm. more silly, lighthearted, creative. Yeah. I think it's all about reading the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember I was out to dinner once with my daughter, Emma, and I made a joke horribly irreverent to the wait staff and he started laughing and she said, mom, how did you know he would find that funny? And we talked about that. Know your audience, whether you're talking to a teacher or an administrator at work, 
I said, you have intuition. You can, can kind of tell if someone will think something's funny or if you need to be very serious. And I do that every single day at work. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable enough that people realize I'm human. Right. You're not vulnerable just to be able to check off the list. She's vulnerable, right? That's that's a misuse of vulnerability. <laughs> Brene Brown talks about that, right? There's there's appropriate vulnerability. You don't need to lay it all on the table, but yes. you know, you lay out what's appropriate. And and the more comfortable you are with a group, which takes time, right, to establish group, you know, yeah. to to establish that trust, then the more you can kind of, you know, what, you know, fly your freak flag, right? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and that's so interesting because sometimes it's the other way. We have two teams. One is in the States and one's in Africa. And with the African team, I'm typically using WhatsApp, which is, I haven't really used much and it's not in person. It's not even on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so I've found that it's really helpful to be able to, and this is when I made the remark to my friend that I don't know that a traditional tech marker, a little more tech marketer, a little more I don't want to say uptight, rigid, but just that brain wouldn't have been as successful because I was working with their HR person all through WhatsApp. And I finally just said to her, I can't remember the language, but basically everything in life is like dating and I am in this for the long haul. So we will figure this out together. And she sent me back laugh emoji, a couple hearts emojis. Mm-hmm. And it's that things can get really stilted when it's long distance or a new yeah. job. And sometimes you just need to be honest. I am in this for the long haul. We will figure it out. It doesn't need to be done by 7 a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people appreciate honesty and you're human because yeah. she doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. Right. No, so true. And also, I think that when you're being vulnerable, it's authenticity is important, but it's also comfort. Because yeah. Yeah. Don't sh- to be vulnerable, don't share something you're not comfortable sharing and not having people know. Right. And that's going to make there me the recipient uncomfortable. Right. Yes. Exactly. Or all of a sudden I'm like, oh God, I told my whole team that I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. I wish I didn't, they didn't know that about me. Now I feel crappy and Mm -hmm. I want to take it back. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be thoughtful about your vulnerability so that you're comfortable with being vulnerable with that piece, Mm -hmm. I guess. Is that, I feel like everyone needs to watch the movie Dirty Dancing. Do you remember, do you know the scene I'm talking about where she says, She's trying to be all confident and Patrick Sozzi walks past and he said, what are you doing here? Or you're here. And she said, yeah, I carried a watermelon. And then she, the minute he walks past, she's like, I carried a watermelon. Why did I say that? Mm-hmm. And I think about that all the time. And I use that as an example with friends. Like you got to think before it comes out, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. at work. Right. Because it's so easy to say I carried a watermelon and now they know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't take it back. No. But you got to own your watermelon carrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the less, the less you care. And maybe she regret it. The less yes. you care about the entire. Yes. But, but as a leader, you want to lead as best as you can, right? And be as authentic and and model that behavior that you're looking for in your team too, right? Mm-hmm. And it is back to the eighty twenty. It's eighty mm-hmm. yep. percent never about me. Yep. yep. When I was a personal trainer, my clients would leave thinking Carla is my best friend, but if they thought about it, they didn't know anything about me. Right. Mm-hmm. So you because can give off that them. vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Focus and it them. feels to the other person like you're being vulnerable and you're not being closed, but you're still not revealing a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is good to get older. I swear. I mean, I would <laughs> not go backward for all that I've learned. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. It was fun learning and I'm glad I'm here. Yep. Awesome. Well, on that note, Madame, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you, learn more about you, follow you? 
give all your stats? I am very grown up now and I have a LinkedIn profile, which is Carla Bernberg. It's funny that that's, you know, I do the Facebook thing, but it's super private. That LinkedIn, and I still sporadically blog, same thing, carlabernberg.com. But I've been hanging out most on LinkedIn and I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Come connect with me and I will help you. It's that. It's come connect with me and look through my people and then message me because I'm a connector and I really do love to help. Awesome. And, And what about on the Twitters? I am barely over there. I am at Carla Bernberg. It's all the same. That's my branding tip. Try to keep it all the same. Yeah. Yep. But I am sporadically over there. Same thing with Instagram, Carla Bernberg. I'm everywhere, apparently, under my name. (laughs) Carla, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Such a treat to get to have a real life conversation with you. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.